0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Even though the Oakland A's did not qualify for the 2017 postseason, plenty of exciting moments for the A's during the 2017 regular season. And joining us on this Friday, the 13th, is Jane Lee our A's reporter for MLB.com. Jane, we thank you for the time as always. And, Jane, what we're going to do today is uh, just look back on the A's uh, season that was in 2017 and uh, kind of break down the the top ten moments, uh, whether it was uh, an actual play or a game or, or something kind of weird and quirky we're just going to look back and see what stood out to you. And looking at the the top ten list that you submitted to us, uh, I, I think half the list or close to it is walk-off wins. The A's had three of those in a row against the Tigers uh, back in early May. We also had, um, uh, we had Rajay Davis uh, giving Bob Melvin his 1,000th win with, you guessed it, a walk-off home run. So a lot to, to pick and choose from here. Matt Olsen going deep in five straight games. Uh, when you look back at the entire ball of wax, what kind of stands out to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think those walk-offs definitely. Um, this was a team that was really, really good at home and just terrible on the road. And, unfortunately, um, their play on the road really cost them. Um, I mean, the splits were just so drastic. Um, but, I mean, for them to play well in, in front of the home crowd and, and give, um, you know, fans, so many walk-offs. I know Bob Melvin's, um, you know, always saying, you know, how important it is to, to play in front of your own fans. Um, and so I think it was really cool, you know, going back to that, um, Rajay home run, um, to give Melvin his 1000th victory. Um, I, I think it was pretty fitting, um, just because we've seen so many of those under Melvin's tenure here. And, um, and of course those thousand wins not only span. Um, his tenure as a manager with the A's, but, you know, going back to his days with the Mariners and, and Diamondbacks. Um, and, and I think also, um, you know, you look at the walk-offs, a lot of them came on home runs and home runs were their other specialty. Um, the offense definitely struggled to do some other things, but hitting the home run was not a problem for them. Um, and I think, um, that day in Chicago where we saw three rookies, um, collect their first career home run, Matt Olson, Franklin Barreto, and Jacob Brugman. I think that was a really special day for them. Um, a lot of it is because these are guys that came up together. Um, they came up together. They won together at essentially every level. Um, and to share something like that on the same day was pretty cool. And, I mean, it's funny now to think back on Matt Olson, um, you know, hitting his first home run because after that he, you know, it seems like he hit a 100. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, in September, um, I think – um, one of the top moments, if not the top moment, was him homering in five straight games. Just really incredible um, that last month he had before um, ending the season with an injury. So um, I would I would definitely say, you know, the home runs um, and a lot of them culminating in walk-off victories were probably, probably gave A's fans some of the, the better moments of, of what was an up-and-down season.
0: Yeah, if I recall, uh, the A's had more walk-off wins than anybody in the majors except Baltimore, uh, so they made a specialty of that. They had, I believe, 11 walk-off wins, but perhaps a dozen. But like I said, only the uh, Orioles had more than the A's in 2017 in the walk-off victory department. And, uh, Jane, you brought up that, uh, that that cool game on June 24th with the three rookies each uh, homering for the first time in their careers in that same game. Uh Was there an awareness uh, of what was going on with, uh, you know, all three guys getting their first career long balls in that same game? And if so, you know, what was the reaction by the three of them after the game? Because, as you said, you know, they certainly weren't strangers to one another. They came up through the A system, and they all get this milestone on the same day that had to have been very special for all three.
1: Yeah, it was, and I think they were aware of it. Um, You know, I think they know each other so well. Um, and they're rooting for each other so hard, um, that I think they were definitely aware, um, in the dugout that day, I think after the second one, it was like, well, you know, why not let's, let's all three of us do this. And afterwards, um, you know, I think each of them didn't even want to talk about themselves. They wanted to talk about each other. Um, and I think that really just kind of showed how close, um, not only those three guys are, Um, But this young core that's coming up together, um, and I think that really played a part in their second half success, just because this is a group that's used to winning. um, And so they expect to win, Um, you know, they expect to accomplish a lot together. Um, And so I think, you know, just that that day with those three home runs was just a, a tiny snippet, you know, showing showing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, as you said, Matt Olson certainly uh, distinguished himself as the season wore on. On uh, September 19th, he put his name in the franchise record books, and you think to all the sluggers the A's have had over the years, and uh, none of them did what Matt Olson did, uh, homering in five straight games. You know, I kind of compare him to uh, what Reese Hoskins did with the Phillies. Now, Hoskins, you know, one of their top prospects, uh, you know, he comes up and just absolutely mashes from day one, hit more home runs in his first 18 career games than anyone in history. Uh, Matt Olsen didn't uh, get to quite those levels. Of course, heck, nobody has except for Hoskins. But what was Olsen's, uh, you know, pedigree in the minors? Was he as highly touted as a guy like Reese Hoskins, or did he kind of surprise people with this power display uh, as the season wore on?
1: Now he was definitely one of their top prospects for, for a long time. I mean, so long that, you know, he was, he was at the top of that list and then just kind of um, maybe fell out of favor in a way um, just because he didn't come up as quickly as fans expected. And I think a lot of people forgot just how young he was. I mean, he's still just 23 years old, um, but I think people expected him to be in the big leagues a lot quicker than he was. Um, and he was figuring things out in the minors, and I think during that time, you know, of course, Franklin Bredo came over, and the Josh Donaldson trade, and, and then he was suddenly, you know, just catapulted to that, that number one top prospect spot. Um, and Matt Olson was moved from first base to the outfield, and people really started wondering, you know, what the, the future was going to hold for him. I mean, did the A's even have a spot for him even more anymore? Um, you know, they started the season with Yonder Alonzo at first base. Um, and Matt Olson, the first half of the season, was going back and forth so many times um, between the Triple um, A and, and the majors, um, but you know, really never got down on himself. Always knew that you know his time would come. And I think the A's recognized, um, you know, as they did throughout the course of the season, that they needed to give these young guys an opportunity if they were really going to stick to this plan to, to rebuild with this young core. And so they traded. Alonzo to Seattle and um, Madelson came up and I mean stuck at first base um, which is his natural position um, the rest of the way I mean we never saw him again in, in the outfield um, because I mean he did so well he's so good defensively too you know I know everyone was talking about what he was doing at the plate but defensively he's tremendous and um, the A's really do see him as the first baseman um, you know not just of the future now but you know of the present and you know, he wasn't just a platoon guy when he came back up. I mean, he was playing every day. Um, and so I think this is exactly the scenario that, that fans kind of envisioned all along. It just might have taken a little longer than they expected.
0: Yeah, sometimes guys are uh, late bloomers, and Olson certainly seems to fit that category. But as you said, uh, it seems like he's going to be a major part of this young core, this young nucleus going forward for the A's in 2018 and beyond. Uh, Jane, want to get your opinion on something which I've always found kind of funny and, and quirky? I know that for so many years uh, that Baltimore's Chris Davis was seen as you know one of the premier sluggers in the game, and he kind of still is. But it was the Chris Davis of the Oakland A's who, who for so many years was quote unquote the other Chris Davis because of what Baltimore's Chris Davis was doing. I feel like now. The roles have kind of switched a little bit because Oakland's Chris Davis puts together another 40-homer-plus season. Do you feel that the roles have kind of switched where maybe the other Chris Davis is the guy in Baltimore now?
1: I mean, I hope so. I still think it's going to take maybe um, some better success in Oakland for um, this Chris Davis to get you know the attention he deserves. Just being on the West Coast, being on a team that's had three straight losing seasons, um, it's hard for guys to get noticed um, out here, you know, I think whenever, um, you're, you know, you're in the big markets, you're, you're playing in the AL East, you know, you're getting the primetime slots. Um, you're always going to get that attention a little more easily. Um, but I think, and I hope that people are starting to take notice, um, of this Chris Davis just because, I mean, 85 home runs in two seasons with Oakland, um, you know, I think him and Stanton basically were the only two kind of teetering together, um, with the most home runs over that span. And and I think people forget, too, that he's not only, you know, hitting home runs at this pace, but he's doing it, um, you know, with a home ballpark of the Coliseum, which is extremely pitcher-friendly. I mean, guys don't put up these type of numbers in the Coliseum. Um, And so it's pretty remarkable that he's, you know, been able to maintain this consistency with his power. And I know he wants to become a, you know, more all-around hitter, but, I mean, you're going to take 40-plus homers, you know, any season. Um, So I think, I mean, his power is just tremendous, his opposite field power. and the the type of home runs that he's hitting um, and and just the power that he generates, it's really remarkable. And, um, you know, you do hope that um, along the way, you know, people are taking notice and and even more so, you know, as he continues to, to do this.
0: Right, and like you said, you know, two consecutive seasons of at least forty home runs—that's definitely going to be an attention grabber. If he does it again for a third straight year in 2018, I don't think he's going to fly under the radar for uh, for too much longer. And uh, Jane, as we come down the home stretch here, I want to get your uh, your take on on one moment that wasn't a part of your list, but but something that obviously gained a lot of attention this year, and that was the renaming of the field at the Coliseum to Ricky Henderson Field, uh, you know, great ceremony. Ricky is always good for a quote. He's a, <laughs> been a colorful character for, for a lot of years now, even in retirement. So kind of take us through that and what that was like, you know, that whole dedication, that ceremony, and uh, Ricky's reaction to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty predictable. I mean, the way Ricky embraced the day, and um, obviously very cool to see. Um, And I think it was just a reflection of the organization finally kind of, you know, embracing their celebrated history, embracing their past and the legends that have, you know, come across. I mean, this is a a storied um, franchise with so many guys to celebrate. And it wasn't only, you know, Ricky Henderson Day and the the renaming of the field, but you saw later in the season, um, you know, they they named Gates after Dennis Eckersley, um, Carney Lansford. I mean, it was just kind of a season-long celebration of all these guys and something that they hope to continue. Um, And I think it was, it was special for everyone. Um, You know, you saw Ricky, not only that day, but um, he came out probably, you know, every other homestand or so um, just as a, a guest instructor um, was around the clubhouse, was around the guys and, you know, the young guys obviously, I mean, any guy in there looks up to him and, just to have them around um, was pretty cool, so I think it's it's something um, special and something needed um, that the As you know are are embracing this um, and, and highlighting you know, their past and, you know, you saw it around the ballpark, um, more signage, um, just everything. I think there was a different feel this year and I think it, um, you know, everyone involved really appreciated it.
0: Yeah. The start of a good trend, hopefully. And I know that Ricky still wishes he could, you know, step in there and bat lead off, but, uh, <laughs> those days are behind him and I'm sure he's happy in his role as an advisor and giving the young guys advice and hopefully, uh, building towards the next great series of, a. Uh, of of great A's teams out there in Oakland, uh, certainly time will tell. Uh, Jane Lee, great stuff as always. Uh, we thank you for the time. We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Weimay signing off for MLB.com extras, Oakland A's.